The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, friends. Welcome to yet another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. You got me, your girl, Renee Dallow. And today, you've also got the lovely and talented, multi-talented, Brittany Dry. Brittany, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I like that you're doing great. We don't get a lot of effusive greats these days. We get a lot of like, um, I'm okay. So I'll take a great. Yeah, it's beautiful outside. The you know, world is opening up again. <laughs> That's true. As good as it's been in a long time. <laughs> That's true. So listener, as you know, we record these episodes uh, weeks before you get to hear them. So we are recording in mid-May. The world is opening up. It does feel very hopeful again, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, Thank it does. God, Thank right? Goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about all things, but specifically, I wanted to talk to you because you are a publisher. Um, about what we're seeing right now in the industry, in the wedding industry specifically, regarding influencers, bloggers, and publishers. And I couldn't think of a better person for this topic. Why are you particularly interested in, in this topic, though? I mean, as a publisher, I, you know, I work with wedding pros on on things, whether it's, you know, creating content or styled shoots or whatever it may be. I'm seeing more influencers specifically, which we, I know we'll dive into the differences, working with wedding pros for their wedding. You know, people are getting engaged and they want to have these collaborations. And I'm seeing my wedding pro friends being asked to collaborate, which sometimes it's a great idea. Sometimes it's a bad idea and you can get burned. So it's something that I think there's not a ton of education around um, or information about it because it's still, you know, in the wedding space, it's still kind of, especially influencers, you know, working with wedding pros. Um, it's kind of a new thing. So I'm excited to talk about it, you know, what I see, you know, as a publisher working with wedding pros um, and what, you know, how I see influencers and bloggers working with wedding pros and and the best way to kind of navigate that whole media world. Yeah, I'll tell you, we see a lot of that in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm and, sure. <laughs> yeah, and so it is very much part of our casual conversations, you know, in our in our wedding planner communities. We're like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you get this one? Did this one talk to you? Did you get an email about it? But there isn't really any education about it. And so this is one of the many reasons I wanted you here today. But for people who are listening who are like, what the F are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Tell us the difference between influencers bloggers and publishers. I mean, I think publishers we know, but it, between influencers and bloggers specifically, what are we looking at here? Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's a, definitely a gray zone. There's certainly some crossovers. Some bloggers are also influencers and vice versa. But typically, bloggers, they are they produce online content, usually like in first person, 
either for their own website or a larger publisher. So if you think, you know, BuzzFeed, you know, for example, has bloggers who write for them. Um, But regardless of whether it's for their own or for a larger publisher, they maintain that specific individual voice. And it's usually based off of personal experience, research, their own opinions. Um, They're creating original content, usually around a specific niche, with the motivation to share their information with the audience. Publishers... These are typically larger media companies or websites. They usually have multiple writers and they create content that's more educational or inspirational. So The Knot is an example. Um, Love Inc., which is my company, is an example. And in the wedding world, the wedding world's a little different than other niches when it comes to specifically these two things because most of what we consider, you know, what our favorite wedding blogs are, for example, they're called wedding blogs, but most of the people who run them actually consider themselves publishers or editors. So it's a little different. And this is because most of them started out as bloggers. They started their blog because they were getting married and they were in this process of wedding planning and they were writing about it and sharing their experience with their followers. Um, Obviously, we're not in that phase of life forever, right? So those bloggers have grown into more, you know, sharing more educational and inspirational content and therefore consider themselves publishers or editors, which is kind of, you know, a hybrid of the blogger and publisher. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I never really thought about it that way. I consider the wedding blogs that we all know publishers, Mm -hmm. but not everybody might. And so that is a really specific distinction that it'd be very helpful as if as an industry, we could make that all make that shift in our minds, right? Because you're right, most of the wedding blogs that have persisted, right, past someone's personal wedding, Mm -hmm. and are now iconic, really, they are publishers now. And so thinking of them as, oh, that's just a wedding blog. It's like, no, no, that's a publishing platform, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, even just the term blog, you know, when I'm said, oh, you're a wedding blogger, it kind of like makes me cringe a little nothing, you know, against bloggers. But um, it's it's more than just my personal experience because I'm sharing love stories from, you know, thousands of couples. So it's so much more than that. And um, I think it's really important to have that distinction because, you know, bloggers are great for certain niches. You know, you want to have that personal experience. If we're talking parenting, for example, in that specific niche, um, a blogger is going to have a larger say and and have a lot more to give than someone who's, you know, quote, unquote, wedding blogger, because, you know, a wedding blogger may not have that constant life experience. You're, You're planning your wedding for, you know, a year and a half. And that personal experience may not be applicable to, you know, in three years because um, it, it changes. Yeah. But yeah. as publishers, we are experts in that field and are keeping up with the trends and whatnot. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very unique niche, <laughs> our little wedding industry. It really is. It really is. So, well, uh, and then we have influencers. Right. Which, yeah. <sighs> which is a whole other beast. Get ready, y'all. Um, talking about influencers. Yeah. Yes. I mean, traditionally, you know, you see influencers on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, but 
they can technically be on any social media platform as long as they have a large engaging audience. Um, and their content is less educational and more focused on their own opinions, life, likes, and experiences. They usually have a very engaging audience to, you know, connect with and have influence over, <laughs> hence the name. So, um, you know, those are definitely things, and we'll dive into this more, things that you want to look for um, specifically with influencers before working with them. Yeah, it's interesting, the distinction too with influencers, as because as an educator, right, I don't feel like I am an influencer, although I know that if I recommend something, some people might go, oh, Renee recommended it, let's check it out. It, it's such a it's such an interesting distinction, right? Someone who is an influencer gives their personal opinion on something. And it isn't necessarily about educating the masses or educating on something that isn't their own experience. Right. Yeah, so, so good. like you have, you know, so for example, you know, let's talk scenario. A girl goes into a coffee shop. This is a scenario. If she's a publisher, editor, she's going in to interview the coffee shop owner for an in-depth article on coffee beans. If she's a blogger, she's getting information and taking photos to include in like a roundup of her favorite coffee shops. If she's an influencer, she's taking a photo of her outf outfit outside the coffee shop. You know, so that's like a nice example <laughs> of so true. the differences between them. You know, this exact same scenario, but these three different rules have very different reasons and motivations for being there. Oh, that is so good. Because I'll tell you, like, as a personal anecdote, when I have been reached out to you to say, like, hey, Renee, will you use this thing and then talk about it? And I always feel really weird about it because I'm like, I'm not an influencer. Like, me taking a photo with your watch isn't going to get anybody to buy it. But so it's a different it's a different angle on it. And and yeah, I think it's a it's a very specific distinction we need to make because these influencers are now coming into the wedding space and they're engaged in getting married and they want us to work for free. And I have so many feelings about it. So I want to dive into that because I know that's what everyone's been waiting for with this episode. Yes. I'm going to hold off on my personal opinion because I want you to give me yours. Personal opinion? I think it's <laughs> always good to ask for money. Um, I think it's – I've I think it's important to pay wedding pros, whether you have influence or not. Influencer partnerships can be fantastic and super helpful, but, and I'm probably going to get a lot of <laughs> DMs about this uh, from influencers being angry with me, but I think, you know, it's it's never bad to ask for some kind of, comp find, you know, monetary compensation. Sure. Uh, if they want to work with you, they'll see the value in that. That is to say, Influencer partnerships can be amazing if it's the right fit. We can dive into that. I think it's really important to ask the hard questions. If they're a legit influencer, they're going to be used to that. They're going to be used to, you know, giving the information about their followers, the, you know, specific demographics, the top locations, age range, um, because you want to make sure that those demographics serve you best. So as long as the influencer has a business account, which if they're legit, then they do, they can absolutely and should provide you that information. Um, and you want to make sure that that information aligns with your own marketing goals. You know, it's more than just numbers now, uh, you know, with the especially with Instagram, the algorithm just, you know, makes it where it's more about engagement versus the numbers. Um, and you want to make sure that the audience matches what you're going for. So for example, if you're a venue and you work with an influencer with 100,000 followers, 
but the majority of those followers are on the East Coast and you're in California, that's not going to do you much good, right? Um, yes. So I think especially within the wedding space, it's important to have, you know, that local demographic. Um, so if you are working with an influencer, I mean, I always recommend working with local influencers um, who do have a very strong local following. You know, and, and if your marketing goal is simply to grow your social media account, then then that's fine. Um, but I think most of us want to book more clients with these types of partnerships. Um, so we want to make sure that a age range matches up to people getting married and that the location matches matches up to where you work. Um, so yeah. that is so, so important to ask for that information from the very start before saying yes to any influencer partnerships. And I think it's also important too to not only know you know, obviously where you where you are geographically is not what I mean, but where you are in your business, but also where you want your business to go. I know many years ago I was approached, this is back when John Cena and one of the Bella twins were engaged. I don't think they ever got married. I was approached to do their engagement party in LA and they wanted it to be really sponsored. Like they didn't want to pay out of pocket for anything. And I said no, because I, first of all, ethically, I have a really big problem asking anyone to work for free, especially for people that I know have the means. Yeah. Um, but then also when I looked at like who followed them like I did a deep dive into like especially her social media to be like who exactly am I going to be appealing to here I was like this isn't on brand for me this is this literally isn't a fit with where I see my business going and it's okay to have those thoughts like it's okay to think like her audience is great they're just not for me right. and and I, I didn't do it I'm sure someone in LA did we get to be honest I get approached for things like this almost weekly in a regular year of course 2020 was you know you can't unreliable data from 2020 right. but but bef in 2019 especially as i as my business grew and i got more visible it was like all the freaking time and i said no to all of them actually because uh for me so so far there hasn't been anyone who has been such a specific positive match for me that i've been like you know what it's going to be worth it but to yeah. each their own right there like you will figure that out as you go but there are things that you absolutely have to look for as you said you need you need the hard numbers you need to know that they know who they're talking to and geography but what else should there be like a contract like what else do we need oh my gosh so yes contract for sure and that's a whole other <laughs> before we dive into the contract i just kind of want to touch on a few other things with just like the content itself yes um you want to make sure, like you mentioned, the brand's voice and content and overall vibe is a good match, not only for that, you know, within them, but their audience, as you mentioned. And you brought up a great point of where you want to go because I know, you know, if you're a photographer, for example, and you want to do more destination, um, you're based in New York, but you want to do bi-coastal, it might make sense for you to start working with some LA influencers to build that audience out there. So, you know, if it's a strategy like that, I think that could work really, really well. Yeah. But again, if you are a ballroom venue, you're not going to want to work with someone who has a ton of beachy vibe photos. Um, so you want to just really make sure that the content that they're already posting matches your whole brand and your vibe. And then you want to look at their engagement rate. Um, so the engagement rate formula is total engagement divided by follower counts, divided by number of posts times 100. And that's a lot of math, right? So Ooh, wait, say, say, say that one more time. Say that one more time. Total engagement is follower counts divided by number of posts times 100. So there's free tools online that do the math for you. So don't like try to remember this. Yeah, so 
don't do math. One is called grin.co and G-R-I-N.co. And you can – they have the various social media platforms. Um, so you just, you know, for instance, like Instagram or TikTok, and you type in the handle and it just calculates the engagement rate automatically. And that will give you the follower count, popular content, all that good stuff. And generally with engagement rate, you're going to want to see like 2 to 3%. That's that's good engagement rate. That's great engagement rate, actually. A, like 4 to 6% is like really, really excellent. And if there's anything more than that, then that's probably more like a viral situation happening. Um, Wait, so, so Brittany, would you say that, um, because I know earlier you had mentioned like as far as metrics, you had said like if they have 100,000 followers, right? Mm-hmm. Is there, because I, I also know there was like, some terminology surrounding like a micro influencer. Do you think people should be looking more at the engagement numbers versus the overall follower count? Or like, what's your take on that? Okay, a hundred thousand percent just because the algorithm kind of skews things now because not everyone sees it. So it's all it's less about the followers now um, and more about the engagement rate um, because those are the people that are seeing the post. Those are the people who are interacting with the post. Um, And that's what you want. It's, you know, it's going to do you so much it's going to be beneficial to you, more beneficial to you to have a stronger engagement rate than higher follower count. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and, you know, diving into the contract, oh my gosh, it is so important to have a contract in place and listing literally everything that is involved with the campaign. Um, I cannot stress this enough because um, I've heard so many times of, you know, brands and companies working with influencers and the influencer just like takes the product or service and runs and doesn't properly promote it. And there's nothing they can do about it because it they didn't have a contract or it wasn't listed in the contract. So I want to plug my friend Kumbi Udabogan. Um, She started Perfet, which is a weddings and events blog and pu- publishing platform. And she's a lawyer. And she launched Legally Set... I guess it's been like a year now. Oh, has it um, only been a year? Yeah, I, th- I feel like it's been around forever, but that isn't true. I think it's been about <laughs> a year. Um, and if you don't know, legal, it's LegallySet.com, and she is genius, and it is so needed for the industry. It has It's a library of just contract agreements for wedding pros, and she has one in there for working with influencers. I think it's like $400, but it's if, if this is something that you want to do, like go – buy it. <laughs> yes. Well, it's worth the investment. It's and also absolutely worth the investment because if you get burned, you're going to be out thousands of dollars. Yes. And for my listeners, you know, we did an episode with Kunbi. It was episode 70 where we were talking about contracts. We didn't specifically talk about this kind of contract, but it's lovely knowing that she has that, Brittany. So we'll be sure to put that in the show notes so that you can find Kunbi's uh, legally set website really easily. But, you know, if you if you think about the $400 and you're like, oh, I don't want to spend that much money, just think about all you're protecting for that amount. Because what Brittany's saying, and, and I want to reiterate and make sure you're hearing this, everyone, is that when you're working with an influencer, you got to get really specific about what you expect. And we're talking about like how many times you're posting, who mm-hmm. you're crediting in each post. Is there like a, I don't know, is there like a like a template or something that is like generally suggested for how many times of post or is it very contract to contract? It's very contract to contract. And influencers usually typically have their own thing that they offer for essentially sponsored or collaborations. 
Um, but don't be afraid to specifically ask. And you want to have things that they need, you know, how many times they need to share before the event, during the event, and after the event. And in all forms. So 10 Insta stories before the event, five Insta stories day of, because, you know, they're getting married. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, five Insta stories afterwards, plus one Instagram grid photo before, one during, and one after. You know, you, regardless of what it is or what platform, you want to make sure that you have all of this very specifically laid out. And you'll want to make sure to have it in the contract how they credit you. So I always recommend tagging you both in the photo and in the caption. And then if they're doing a blog post, make sure that it's linking to your website, making sure that, you know, are you the only vendor that of that profession working the event? Exclusivity is really important for an event like so a wedding. True. Um, so true. You don't want to be a photographer walking there, you know, <laughs> walking to the venue day of and then see another photographer. But influencers, they have a very specific vision. You know, they may have, they may want different photographers for, for different aspects of the event. Um, so it's really important that, you know, exclusivity is is really important for weddings and, and to put that in the contract so that they know you're the only photographer for this event. They cannot book anyone else. If they do, it is breach of contract. And it's also really important, especially for our photographers who are listening, is that sometimes these very high profile clients might already have a deal in place with People or Vogue. Those publications send their own photographers out yes. sometimes. Yes. And that's important to know ahead of time, just because if you listen, if you get to use the photos for your own portfolio, I suppose that's great. But if you're doing this so that they can get published, they might already have a deal in place and they might not share that with you because they don't want to scare you off. So dealing with high profile stuff like this, especially, I mean, that's more of a celebrity wedding than an influencer wedding, but still it's worth mentioning in the same breath that you really need to ask a ton of questions. Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I just want to throw in here, like ethically speaking, when we're talking about contracts and especially in in the wedding industry post pandemic, which I don't even want to call what we're in post pandemic, but hopefully soon is that like, you know, a lot of our vendors are recovering from incredibly tough times. And so when an influencer reaches out to say, hey, we want you to do this for free, especially for my service providers that have hard costs like florists, it's completely like fine for you to push back and say, look, I will, I can discount you my labor or whatever, mm -hmm. but the hard costs remain hard costs, right? Because I'm thinking specifically of our floral friends who yes. floral costs are now skyrocketing. Like you shouldn't go into debt, I, I believe, to do one of these weddings. It needs to be, it needs to just come out as something mutually beneficial, Absolutely. not just beneficial to the influencer. Absolutely. And I think it's important to, you know, not get wrapped up in the oh, this person, you know, wants me to shoot their wedding. Like you have to make, take the emotion out of it. Like, I don't care if you've been following this influencer for years and years and you're obsessed with them. Um, you have to take the emotion out of it and make it a business decision. hundred percent. And like, you know, I was recently a couple of months ago, it was actually at the sort of height of the pandemic, which I also think was like very ironic is that um, through a friend of mine who's a celebrity hairstylist, you know, she reached out to me and said, one of my clients really loves your work and she wants to know if you'll do her wedding. And I was like, well, hook her up with my email. And she's like, no, no, no. She wants to know if you'll do it for free. And my gut reaction was absolutely not like it's the no, 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 no. 
we've just gone through the worst year ever in the wedding industry. Like if she wants to talk to me, I'll definitely have a conversation with her. But, you know, I'm not interested in doing in working for free. And she never reached out, which was fine with me. But I heard from a floral friend that she reached out asking legit specifically asking for 20K in florals. And I was like, that is a very specific, right? Like that is a very specific ask. And also like the nerve in a way. Um, You know what I've noticed? The influencers that have the least influence are usually the ones who ask for free. And then the influencers who have the most influence are the ones who are more willing to pay or, you know, they'll accept a discount, you know, very appreciatively. But that's one thing I've noticed is if they're asking for free, they usually don't have (laughs) the influence that that You're 100% right. I mean, honestly, I had to, I looked her up and I, cause I didn't know the name and I was like, is this, am I just out of touch? And I looked her up and I was like, I do not know this person. And then I, I did a little digging and I was like, oh, you're marrying a multimillionaire. No way. And when my friend reached out and said, hey, did you get approached for this? I said, actually, funny, I did. And let me tell you some backstory. And she was like, oh, and it just makes everyone feel a little bit sad. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that feeling in your chest where you're like, really? And so I guess for me, as far as like, is it a fit? It also to me has to like ethically be a fit. Right. So and I will say this, like I've had influencers come to me over the years and say, like, hey, what if we did something where like instead of paying you, I donated? I'm like that I could be on board with mm-hmm. if it all if it were to work out like that, I'd be on board with. But just like a can you give me twenty thousand dollars in florals for free? It's OK to say no to that, guys. Yes, it is. And like I said, some of these partnerships can be amazing and, and wonderful, but it has to come from a place of it has to be genuine. It has to be just a genuine yeah. collaboration. They've been following you just as much as you've been following them. It is a mutually beneficial agreement. And yeah, it can't just be someone who's cold calling 10 vendors <laughs> right. and hope someone says right. yes, because that's what so many do. And that yeah. is where I see the burns happening. Well, and also word gets around, y'all. We, we'll we we'll all talk about it. Yes. We'll be like, oh, did so-and-so email you? Sure, I got that email too. All right, so let's pretend for a moment for everyone listening and for us that like you have found this unicorn influencer who you love, who's respectful, who wants to pay you a little bit and there's like a great deal on the table and you're going to do it. Once you make this, you know, contractual agreement, how do you as the vendor then like successfully strategize like how you're going to market this on your end? Like how do you make the most of something like this? Well, you definitely want to make sure that this event is submitted and published in a wedding magazine or blog. So um, like as we mentioned before, make sure that that's in the contract. If there is already a deal in place for publishing, just make sure everyone's on board with that um, and that you know. And then also you want to know exactly when these shares on social are going to be happening, whether it's you know before, during, or after the event so that you can be ready to reshare and engage with their audience as they comment on the post. Um, so Insta Stories, for example, they last 24 hours. You don't want to miss that window. You want to be able to reshare that on your own Instagram. Yeah, that's a great that's a great tip because how many times have I been tagged in something? I know, I do. And for some reason, I I don't I don't know what happens. I feel like I'm always on Instagram, but every so often, someone will send me a message, especially if it gets like buried in in requests, and then a month later, I'm like, oh my god, what was this? Yeah. It's the most frustrating so thing. So yeah, you in a story. I'm like, okay, I'm like, I hope it was good. I'm sorry I didn't see it. Yeah, um, same. And then you know, for Instagram posts, you want to engage with our comment commenters you know, as close to real time as possible so that you're staying top of mind. So, you know, they see your comment and reply to their comment. They're more likely to follow you if this is all happening, you know, while they're 
in the Instagram app in real time. So just you want to kind of be engaging as it's happening and as these commenters are are commenting um, just to, you know, just to amplify the reach. Yeah, I love that. What about this is maybe like a very niche question, but it's one that popped in my head. What if you are working with an influencer and I'm talking from from the perspective of a planner and like perhaps you don't have any control over who they hire for a photographer, right? So what if the photographer, like what if, <laughs> this is kind of like a, 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 a sticky topic, I suppose, but like what if the influencer hires a photographer that's like just necessarily not up to par for you in one reason or another? If it's in the contract, it's going to be hard to work around anything, but I think it's fair to ask that question before you sign the contract. Yeah. Know, who is your photographer? Um, because the quality of the content is crucial for stuff like this. Um, yeah. You want to be able to use those images and you, you know, again, in the contract, you want to make sure that, you know, of course, properly credited to the photographer, but you want to be able to use those images in your on your social and, and on your website. So having all that stuff very specific in the contract is is so important. Um, and I think it's fair, you know, for the floral designers, for the planners, et cetera, to ensure that the quality of their work is properly portrayed um, to, you know, who do you have for a photographer or ask, you know. Well, and also like – Ask for approval, you know. Right. If, if I'm going to be working this – for free or for, you know, hugely discounted, I want to have approval of the photographer. That's not a crazy ass. It isn't. And also asking about coverage, like how many shooters will there be? Because I, listen, one of my most, this is not a celebrity wedding, but a very high-end wedding that we did um, had a really almost celebrity level photographer whose team didn't really cover the details as much as I would have liked. And I can't really use the photos of the family because they're they're well known in, in Los Angeles. They're not really celebrities. But I'm left from one of my very lovely weddings with not that many photographs. And I was like very surprised by it. But I never asked. I never said you have all these people covering who's covering details. I just assumed at such a high level that they would have it. Lesson learned. Now I always ask yeah. who's and covering having, details and when. Yeah. Having a shot list, you know, that you require. Yes. For them to pass on if they don't breach of contract. You know, it's, yeah. it's these things that you are absolutely entitled to if you are doing this event for free um, or hugely discounted. Um, these are the things that you are entitled to because that is the benefit to you. Yeah, and also – That is your your form of payment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so, gosh, everything you're saying, Brittany, just makes me think like more and more like we cannot enter into these, into these partnerships um, quickly or lightly. Like you really need to – sit with yourself and flesh out what this entire event is going to look like, you know, what it's going to cost your company to produce it, what you specifically need from it. And and it's hard to know sometimes in the beginning, especially if you're newer in your career, especially as a planner, but you just need to sort of sit down with a list and say like contingency wise, like, what do I need here? What do I need from this? Right. Yes. Um, and I think it's intimidating for a lot of people to make those demands. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to appear like a diva. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, especially working with an influencer with a million followers, um, it can be very intimidating. Right. But, you know, if the partnership is is worth it, then they will be glad to, you know, give you the information that you need or, or change the contract however is needed because otherwise they didn't value you in the first place. Well, right. And my mindset about it, too, is that like if these influencers are truly doing this as their livelihood, then they are business people. And if you 
approach this as a business deal, then hopefully they'll have enough respect for you to say like, you know what, she runs a hard bargain, but I appreciate it as opposed to like, I can't believe she's pushing back at all. Let's let's get out of here. If that's the case, then that then they maybe probably didn't want you in the first place, right? They didn't want you bad enough. And they they're used to this. They brands push back brands. You you go through many drafts of a contract before signing it with brands as a publisher. Like this is something that is on a regular for me. So they're they're used to it. And I think it's if they're saying that they're not, then a they don't work with brands and they don't have the influence level that they say they do. And <laughs> it's true. Or two, you know, it's not going to, like I said, it's not going to be worth it to you. So don't be afraid or intimidated to ask these hard questions. Um, it is just totally legitimized. Is there any universe in which a vendor or service provider should be reaching out to the influencer first? Like, you know, we see these influencers and or like, you know, celebrities that get engaged. Like, is there is that like kind of gauche or does, what's the what's the feeling on that? I mean, I think it's definitely if it's someone that you've been following, you know, commenting on their you know, they share their engagement post and and commenting like congratulations. I don't I don't think it's just know that they're probably getting a lot of those. You know, <laughs> right. they're probably getting a lot of DMs <laughs> from photographers. So if it is somebody who you genuinely follow, because on the flip side, influencers also, you know, the the quality ones, they want to work with people who align with with their brand yeah. also. So it's frustrating for an influencer to just be bombarded by all these requests from people she's never heard of. So engage with influencers who you who you like and who you follow. Engage with them genuinely in the content that they share so that when they do get engaged and when they are starting to look for a photographer, they recognize your name. Oh, this person has been engaging with me for the last, you know, six months. Like I and I I now follow this person and and I'm aware of this person. They've been invested in me and my brand for six months. This is not just someone who's coming out of nowhere because they want the opportunity to shoot a wedding that could be high profile. Right, right. They're not just like riding the coattails or they didn't just search like engaged. (laughs) Hashtag engaged. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not just on a trending post for them. This is someone who's genuinely invested in my life and my story and that is who i want on my wedding day shooting it yeah it's such a good point i mean like everything else in every industry but especially ours it boils down to relationships always yes always always yeah. well Brittany, this is a tremendous topic i'm so glad we got you here to talk about it because honestly so many conversations happen about influencers behind closed doors but we i haven't really heard a lot of people talking about it in the open so thank you for bringing your wealth of knowledge to this because it really is necessary Yeah, no, and it's, you know, I'm excited to see this aspect grow. I think it's going to get more and more popular, but I want to see it done smartly and, and, and mutually beneficial for both content creators and wedding pros. I love it. Brittany, where can the people find you on the internet? They can find me at Love Inc. Mag across all social media platforms and loveincmag.com. Great. We will link to all of that in the show notes as per usual. And also we'll we'll link to um, Legally Set and also the um, algorithm, not the algorithm, the engagement calculator so that no one has to do any math. No math. No math, Mm y'all. As usual, my lovely listeners, you know what I'm going to ask you because I haven't asked you in several weeks is to go leave a review for this lovely show that you listen to every week. And here's why. 
Apple Podcasts likes when people leave reviews. I know, it's crazy. Five stars, hopefully, but also sentences. They want your words. And honestly, so do I, because podcasting consists of me sitting at my desk, speaking into a microphone, and I don't know who's listening. So I love for you to take screenshots of you listening and tag us in it at Talk with Renee Dallow. But even more, if you would do us the favor of leaving a review, we will love you forever and we will get to produce way more shows for you. So that's it, fam. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 